Welcome into Duke Chat. My name is Savannah Rieger and I am with my co-host today, Madison Harisnik, and we are excited for our second episode of Duke Chat detailing everything about JMU football's training camp. This is going to be a great episode. We're going to be talking about what we've been seeing throughout the last two weeks, what to expect with Moorhead State coming up this Saturday, September 4th, and all things that you need to know about our supplement edition being released in print and on stand September 2nd. I mean, it's hard to believe that Moorhead State is already here, that September 4th is only uh, under a week away. I mean, they're excited from what we've been seeing at training camp. You know, they're high energy. They're so excited to be back playing in the fall. Everyone's talked about the fans. It's going to be a really fun year. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You have you have this team that, I mean, obviously didn't end the season that they wanted to last year. And they're motivated now. I mean, every player that I've talked to, and I'm sure every player that you've talked to, Savannah, they've all talked about how hungry they are because of what happened against Sam Houston State last season. So I'm excited to see what they're going to plan on starting to the season with. See, the thing is, Jamie football, the championship is the expectation. If you don't even make the championship game, it's an off season. Other teams, you make the playoffs, it's great. But with Jamie football, their expectation is to win the national championship every year. And so that's why they're so hard on themselves. But they are extremely excited, and I'm so excited to watch them try and redeem them themselves. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at their schedule this year, there's no easy schedule. I mean, a lot of people said that in the 2020 spring season, JMU kind of had a light schedule this year. And I mean, you can argue that considering we had a lot of schedule changes, late last minute cancellations, late last minute add-ins, all of that kind of stuff was affecting. But we have a concrete set schedule that's going to take us from September 4th all the way through December. And I mean, we're going to go to Weber State in what? three weeks now. And so that's going to be a huge early test. We also have Delaware that we get to go and see. We have Maine. We have all of the original CAA foes that JMU is used to playing every year. But I mean, it's no easy schedule. I mean, I'm not going to hint too much about it because it comes out this weekend, but CAA power rankings include a lot of teams in the top half that JMU plays, and it is no way going to be easy for them. They don't have an off week in the CAA, and there is no off week in the CAA, so it'll be interesting to see how well they can do this. You mentioned that there's no off week in the CAA, and that's a phrase that you hear a lot in just about every sport, but particularly in football. Is there a particular team, without giving too much away from your power rankings, of course, but is there a, is there a team that you're really excited for JMU to really take on this season? I always love a good in-state rivalry. Now, I'm not going to say which in-state rivalry it's going to be, but every team in Virginia is always on JMU's radar, and for some reason, they always play JMU well. They can have a horrible year, and they still pull them out and play the Dukes well. So we'll see what happens, but there are definitely some really fun games on that schedule. So looking at the schedule, now you have to look at, okay, what's this team going to look like? The first person that you're going to look at is starting quarterback Cole Johnson. He went in this season as the official starter. Kurt Signetti named him the official starter. So now Johnson's has the opportunity to lead a team to a national championship. What do you think about his confidence level going into this season? Cole's really confident. Um, There's no reason for him not to be. Yeah, okay, you had a bad game against Sam Houston. Yeah, you had an injury, but... This guy is going to work his butt off to prove to everyone that he's going to be the number one quarterback here on out. He went through the whole thing with Gage. Now, this is a different training camp for Cole. Cole's always had someone right up on his heels. He's had Gage on his heels since his sophomore year here, and this guy is a redshirt senior. 
So this is a little different for him, but working with Tino Sinceri, you know, he feels the pressure like someone's right behind him. He says he doesn't notice it, and I believe him. I mean, Cole is the guy, and as much as some people might not think he's the guy, he's the only one there that can probably lead them to a national championship this season. Well, when you talk about Sinceri and being um, having this new quarterback come in, Signetti announced that he was joining the team back in May, and talking with Cole, he said that Sinceri was great with working about how to lead the team as a quarterback, how to compose yourself, how to work and use your footwork to that advantage. And I think it sounds like from him, he's really absorbing everything that Sinceri is saying. And that's and that's really good to hear from at this point. Cole definitely is. Uh, when I talked to him on media day, he had nothing but nice things to say about Sinceri. He's been talking about how he wants his cohesiveness to be better and how he's been working on his footwork and his throwing. You know, he says he wants to be more mobile and that's what you have to be in the quarterback and the CAA in the top FCS program is you have to be mobile. And Cole's do, taking all the right footsteps towards that. So kind of going into, we have our first string quarterback, Cole Johnson. Who do you think is going to be our second string? I mean, JMU has four options and Signetti has not named an official backup to Cole yet. So is there anyone that you think is really going to stand out and take that backup position? I wouldn't be surprised if he names it Kyle Adams. Personally, I think it should be Patrick Bentley because I think Adams needs as much time as he can get to develop before taking this role. He, I, Adams is most likely going to be the starter next year. Uh, Billy Atkins has been really good in camp. Signetti said he's been really good in camp, but Billy Atkins is a true freshman. So there's not too much to expect out of him in his first year. Patrick Bentley should be the backup because of his youth and because he knows everything that's going on. He's been a backup for a while, but he knows the system and he won't be pressured and feel the pressure if he goes right up into a game if Cole gets injured or pulled. But Adams, he's young and he might be a little more fragile. Yeah, I think it's an interesting point that you bring up the fact of how young um, Kyle Adams is. Because, I mean, Signetti talked about after the second scrimmage when we all had that press conference, he talked about how Atkins was making good throws. Bentley made a bunch of great throws, according to Signetti, during that second scrimmage. So it's inter- interesting to see where Kyle Adams falls into that. Watching him in practice, we see him taking a lot of snaps. We see him calling the plays. We see him ready to go and active and mobile during those quarterback drills and a lot during the wide receiver drills as well. Adams throws a lot of deep balls. Adams throws a lot. And that's definitely something JMU needs to do more. Of course, JMU has running backs. They have running backs coming out of their ears. But Kyle Adams throwing is a huge step. I mean, you have a redshirt freshman quarterback with a redshirt freshman wide receiver and Antoine Wells Jr. So that is a combination that definitely needs to be explored on top of all the redshirt juniors and seniors that this team has. Well, and I mean, going, I mean, even just redshirts in general, you have to talk about the fact that almost every single player on this roster is going to be sticking around for five plus years when you think about it. I mean, you have Cole, this is Cole's sixth season as an NCAA athlete. And, and that's because of the fact that he redshirted originally. And then we had the NCAA blanket waiver that came through because of COVID. So it'll be interesting to see what the development looks like. But I mean, I have to agree that I think it's going to be Patrick Bentley as a second string, but Kyle Adams is going to be nipping at his heels all season long. They should definitely explore Patrick Bentley. Patrick Bentley is someone who has really worked for it and is someone who I don't think many Jamie fans know. I think a lot of people know about Atkins and Adams because of their youth and because of the big recruits that they came out of. But Patrick Bentley, he's he's a name that not a lot of people know, and it'll be really interesting to see if he can really go out there and prove himself. Kind of going along the lines of older guys on this team, I mean, we could talk about Lorenzo Bryant, a seventh-year NCAA athlete. I mean, you don't really get... You don't really get much more mature at that point as an athlete than that before you go pro at this point. 
Lorenzo Bryant's had a long road to get here. I mean, he's gone through multiple medical red shirts at Rhode Island. He's played with Rhode Island the whole time, even when the team wasn't at its best. It's interesting to me that he transfers to JMU this year out of all the years when Rhode Island actually is on track to be a pretty good team. I mean, they got some votes in the Stats FCS Top 25 poll. So Bryant coming here, he's going to bring a lot of experience too, other than some other running backs in there. They're young. They, Austin Douglas, a freshman running back in there, is going to get to learn from a seventh-year guy. If you think about it, that's pretty insane. Austin Douglas was probably like a sophomore in high school when Lorenzo was, what, a junior in college? Like, it's it's a crazy fact to think about, but Lorenzo's definitely going to bring a ton of experience to this group. Well, and you talk about Austin Douglas, and Signetti also mentioned how much he's improved over this training camp and was talking about how great of an improvement he's seen just in the second scrimmage that they um, that they had. and. I think that was really interesting because having a running back lineup as deep as JMU has, I mean, you mentioned earlier, I mean, they have all of the running backs in the world, essentially. But um, even having a younger running back impressing Signetti, that's going to be, that's a great sign for Austin Douglas. It seems like every year a freshman running back impresses in this group. Last year it was Kwan Black, and Kwan Black is just going to continue to impress. But Austin Douglas being talked about in the camp in the post-pant media day, that's a big deal. And for JMU to just to keep having these running backs, it's like, wow, they just never run out of talent in that position, and they will always be set to go. Absolutely. And, I mean, if we're going to talk about running backs, you can't ignore Percy Ajay Obisay. I mean, he's got all of these different accolades basically lined up for him on top of everything that he's earned and everything that he's worked for over the past few years. And so he goes into his final season this year. What do you expect out of Percy this year? I think Percy is going to leave everything he has out on that field. He loves this school. That's what you get when you talk to him. He's such a happy person. And even when they lose, he still tries to be that happy person in interviews because he just loves this school. And he knows it's his last season. He's not going to leave anything up for grabs. You know, he is going to go out there and give it his all. And he's going to prove why he is one of the best running backs in this school and in this running back group. Absolutely. And I think what I love so much about his game is that not only do you see that passion and that energy, but he feeds off of the crowd and you can just see the energy that comes through him on that. And so I really like that. But I mean, if we're going to keep going on these running on this running back trail, I got to mention Solomon Van Horse. I mean, he's going to be another great asset for JMU this season. Let's just think about how Solomon Van Horse is a walk on to this team. He is not one of the ones that was even recruited. He was the first one we saw against West Virginia in 2019. Solomon has just kept getting better. He's had a couple injuries that kind of set him back, so he's missed some minutes, but he's fast. He's almost J1 Hamilton, who just transferred to Eastern Michigan in the offseason from JMU. Fast. He can run up and down that field. I remember watching him against Moorhead State and against Robert Morris, and it's not easy to catch him when he's on his game. So if we can get a healthy Van Horse, we can get a really good team this year. And Signetti's talked about what the speed that Van Horse can bring when he's healthy. And I mean, yes, he's had those injuries, but if Signetti has the faith in that um, and what he can do, I think the rest of JMU Nation will fall right in line in that belief. I think that if Signetti believes in him, he'll believe in himself. And that's how a lot of the players are. You know, coaches' opinions sometimes is more than the media's, you know. And that's, I mean, that's how it should be. But if Signetti believes in him, he'll be one of the top running backs this year. 
I'm sure you and I could talk about the running game for hours on end and just how deep and talented that group is. But, I mean, we can't ignore the high expectations that JMU has for their wide receivers this year. I mean, you have Antoine Wells and Chris Thornton and Josh Sims are just a few of the names of the depth and the power and just the level of expectation that is needed for this team. It's interesting that you say Josh Sims. Josh Sims has been on this team for a while and he really hasn't gotten his chance to go out there and prove himself yet. But I think this is the year that Josh Sims actually will get some minutes. He's in a good training camp from what we've seen and what we've talked about. He's been catching and receiving on some good first team players. Um, I think Josh Sims is definitely a player to watch. If he goes in the game, that's someone not a lot of teams are going to know. People are going to know about Antoine Wells. People are going to know about Chris Thornton, but people aren't going to know about Josh Sims. And I think that's a really important aspect to Jamie's wide receiving core. Well, another wide receiver that could kind of be a dark horse this year is Scott. Scott Bracey. I mean, he's a young, he's a young guy. He's coming in, another player that's had a great training camp and somebody that I think could really step in in the event that teams start really honing in on Chris Thornton and Antoine, Antoine Wells. Scott Bracey is going to be in his last season this year. He's a transfer from Duke. Um, he's a redshirt senior. So this is all, this is the last chance he has. Uh, so, he's going to go out there and he's really going to try and earn his minutes. Um, I think from what I've seen, he's looked pretty good in training camp. Uh, but I think Scott Bracey is definitely someone to watch. He got some few minutes last season. Uh, Robert Morris, he had a great game. But we'll see what happens this year with Scott Bracey. And I think he's destined for a good year. Mm-hmm. What about tight ends? Is there anyone in tight ends that you kind of really see sticking out this year or anything along those lines? I really hope it, that Clayton Cheatham has his year. You know, Clayton Cheatham's just had such a long road to get here. He's at injuries. I mean, he said himself the DNR didn't run a story on him. People might even not even remember he's on the team. Like, I want Clayton Cheatham to have his year. He's, his story is very similar to Cole's in which he hasn't had all the time. But when he gets it, he really does try and make the most of it. And I'm really excited to see how he does this year. Yeah, and another tight end that I think is going to turn a lot of heads this year is Noah Turner. I mean, he had his first year at JMU last year and now will be coming into his second season. He's excited. I had the opportunity to talk to him during media day. He's ready. He's focused. He feels like he's improved over the last couple weeks in training camp and in the off season and just preparing and having that mental sh- – mentally strong game. And I thought that was really interesting that he brought in just having a strong mental toughness to himself when he plays. Yeah, I mean... I like Noah Turner because I think that's not a, someone a lot of people just know about. Noah Turner has really worked for where he is, and he doesn't come out of a big town. Noah Turner was a transfer, and he's coming here, and he's still earning his time. So I do think it's really exciting to see. I think it's exciting to see how all these players are like, yeah, I've improved. Yeah, I'm working on this. I'm going to be so much better. And it's like, oh my gosh, you guys were number three in the country in a shortened spring season. Like, what are you going to do at 100%? So it's going to be really interesting to see this core, and this core is going to look super exciting. Yeah, so I mean, kind of just wrapping up the offense in general, who do you have the highest expectations for, and who do you think is going to have a breakout season? Antoine Wells Jr., the expectations couldn't be higher. He just completely broke out his freshman year. He was the young guy on the block, and he was catching 50-yard three Rose from Cole Johnson all year. Antoine is going to have to have a great year, but he definitely resembles a lot of Brandon Ravenel in 2016 for me. Brandon always caught those long balls. Brandon was always clutch when he needed to be. And especially like if you look back to that North Dakota game, Antoine was that clutch player. I mean, he's catching all these deep balls against this very strong defensive team, a defensive team that beat NDSU. 
this is a good team, and Antoine has to be has to be at this best game. Yeah, I mean, if I had to pick anybody, I would love to see Josh Sims just have a breakout year. I mean, we talked about how he's kind of earning his minutes, but I just loved seeing his energy and the you could feel like the electricity that he wants to bring, and he's willing to run and run hard, cut hard, and be able to make those passes uh, available to Cole. And so I think that that's going to be very pivotal for this team, especially when you have defense that likes to run their wide res- their opposing wide receivers down. And, you know, you can't just not talk about the offense without looking at the offensive line. The offensive line is just someone and a group of players that have to be tough. You know, this is almost the most important position in the game because with no offensive line, you can't get anywhere or do anything. And this offensive line, I mean, Maddie, if you look at them, they're very old and then they are very young. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked about it earlier. I mean, you have JT Timmons back and that's going to be great to have a couple players with that maturity. But other than that, you're looking at redshirt freshman and true freshman and that's it. Liam Fornadel is the All-American. He is the one that's going to lead them. But it's so important that JT and Liam are there because these are all redshirt freshmen. They are, as some people have said, babies. Like, they 100% need to learn, and these two are the guys to learn from. Absolutely. And this is the group that you have to be the most consistent throughout the entire season because they're protecting Cole. They're protecting Bentley or whoever else is in the pocket at this point. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle it, how they develop. I know Signetti's been looking to see a little bit more consistency out of the O-line, but I have faith in that, and I have faith that they're going to get confidence out of more head state beforehand. And of course, the biggest question this year, moving away from the offense, is how would JMU's defense come back after what happened with Sam Houston? A lot of things happened. The defensive line, the linebackers, the cornerbacks, the safeties, all the defense. So, you know, that's what you have to look at. And this defense, from what I previewed this week, it's going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, I was having a great conversation earlier, and there was a really interesting point that was brought to my to my attention that a lot of teams are going to have a hard time with the amount of depth that this defensive group has. They're going to have a hard time in the fourth quarter because this defensive line is determined to be physical, and they want to be able to be gritty and play hard. And that's eventually going to wear down on a lot of different teams. So I think that's going to be something that is going to become a factor for this team. You can't talk about the defensive line without talking about the depth of the defensive line. As Mike Green has said, You can sub out a whole defensive line and sub in another one, and they are just as tough. They have um, a transfer from Towson, Bryce Carter, six-year guy who came here, and I quote, for a chance at a ring. He's here. He is determined. He played for Towson, and he hasn't played football in two years. So he's ready to go. Mike Green, of course, is back. He's moving towards the position that he was his first couple of years. He doesn't have to play pure defensive line anymore. He's got people in there that can help him with that. And as Signetti's told us, it's all about the competition. And there's so much competition on this defensive line that no matter the pairing, it is going to be good. Absolutely. Do you have any pairing in mind that you've seen really stand out so far for you? I mean, you can't not look at Mike Green. You can't not look at Bryce Carter. You have to look at James Carpenter, too. James Carpenter is a redshirt walk-on freshman who came out and impressed immediately in the spring and is already impressed immediately in camp. You know, defensive coordinator Corey Heatherman has talked about how James Carpenter comes in and every single day he is working hard. It doesn't matter if it's a Monday practice, a Tuesday practice, or a scrimmage. James Carpenter is in there working 
working his butt off on the defensive line, and that's just something you can't ignore. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing I love about the defensive line is that they're so passionate. I mean, we talk about passion with this team all the time. They're everyone in JMU football is always somebody that is committed and they feel the they feel the love, they feel the community and everything like that. But I mean with the defense, you see this level of passion kind of being different because not only do they have feeling of redemption after Sam Houston State this year, but at the same time, they understand the weight of this season for the offense. You have so many seniors and last year and last chance athletes coming in and they want to be just as important, if not a bigger news story than some members of the offense. Some of these members of the defense, you know, they're, yeah, they're like, okay, yeah, I'm Jamie football, but they're young and they've never had fans at full capacity in there. They don't understand what it's like for the big, big screen to go ring and then third downs for hell's bells, right? They don't know what it's like and they are definitely going to feed off that. That's what the defense does. That's what makes Jamie so good is that they are so efficient at feeding off crowd noise and they are definitely going to do that this year. You know, you talk about how much leadership there is with the defensive line, but there's a lot of leadership in the defensive line backers as well. JMU has always been a really good linebacker team, and historically, our linebackers are tough. I mean, think back to the 80s when you have Charles Haley in there. Like, that man could knock anyone out, especially back in that time. I mean, he was on that team that beat UVA, but JMU's always consistently had strong linebackers, and that consistency is definitely still present this year with both Calvin Azanama and Diamante Tucker-Dorsey. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these guys are tough. These guys are strong and they're not afraid to get physical and they're not afraid to get physical fast. These guys are going to come out flying come Moorhead State on Saturday. I just want to quickly talk about like Calvin Azanama and his progress. This guy has been, he's a redshirt senior. He's been here a long time and he has worked so hard in training camp. He talks to me about all the things he's worked on from his footwork to his tackling. And he just, he may be quiet off the field, but on the field, he is loud and he is definitely someone to watch. Well, he's someone that really likes to focus on the details. He's someone that is very detail oriented. And I think that is absolutely huge for the leadership capabilities. I mean, Yeah, he may be quiet off field, but making sure that he is communicating on the field, making sure that his footwork is precise, is clean, so that he's able to make the right tackles and be able to hold together that linebacker position. He wants to play clean. He doesn't want to play dirty. Kelvin Azanama was the one that was ejected from the Moorhead State game to start the spring season. So he doesn't want to repeat any of that this time when he plays Moorhead State. He knows he's the older guy. He wants to help the rookies out. He wants to be able to have a deep spot linebacker when he leaves you know and so that's what that's what makes Kelvin so nice he's a nice guy but on the field he is speed and he is precision yeah absolutely and then you look at Diamante as well like what do you see him bringing on to this team this year I love Diamante he is just um, his social media presence is amazing but at the same time he is tough I don't want to play Diamante. Like, every time I see him, he is hitting someone. He is tackling someone. Like, Diamante is tough, but he plays his position well. Absolutely. I mean, you talk about toughness. Not only is he physically strong, but he is so, like, he's just like a positive dude. And then the second he makes that switch into game mode, it is like full beast mode, for lack of a better term almost, I guess. But at the same time, it's so enjoyable to watch because you do see this light, happy-go-lucky kind of personality out of him. And then all of a sudden, it's like game time and Diamante just becomes somebody else. There's a picture that the Breeze has where he is like an elite frog position. 
screaming. And I think that is the epitome of what Diamante is. He is so tough, but he's got that leapfrog position to where, yeah, this guy is nice off the field, but on the field, you do not want to play him. You do not want to mess with his energy. Absolutely. No, his energy is unmatched, especially when he gets into a game. He's passionate about what is happening. And that photo is just a beautiful representation of that. Of course, of course. You know, the linebackers, they're tough. They always have been tough and they always will be tough. And between Izanama and Tucker Dorsey this year, they're going to be strong. So you're looking at all of this upper leadership, and when you look at the safeties, your mind has to go to redshirt senior Wayne Davis. I mean, a lot of people this year have been talking about how his leadership skills have been developing so much throughout training camp, and I think that that's really going to show this year. He's from the Ohio State University. That is his transfer location, but he comes here, and he is all JMU. Now, he grew up in Virginia, and that tells you a lot about why he came back to play here. He grew up in Southern Virginia, and he is so excited to be here. He's a little quiet in some interviews still, but from everything that we hear from both his teammates and coaches, he is just taking such a big leadership role this year. And I'm so happy that he's been able to do that for this team that he just, he doesn't want to leave. Absolutely. And you know, I said this last year to you. I mean, he was somebody that I just couldn't help but watch on the field. I liked how he played. I liked how he read what the offense was doing and how he was moving across the field. And seeing that develop over training camp this season was really cool because like you said, he is somebody that loves this school, that loves Virginia and wants to be a part of it. And I think that that's going to really shine through. And I think, especially now that Signetti's been talking about his leadership skills, I think that that's going to be huge for him. I think Wayne needs this too. I think he needs to be able to feel that he is the leader. He does know what to do and everyone follows him. I mean, there's probably not not one player in that room that said that they wouldn't trust Wayne with their life. This guy is a great leader. He's a great talent and I'm sure he's going to be an amazing player this coming year. Yeah, absolutely. Looking at other safeties, I mean, what about Q Reed? What are you seeing Q Reed this year? What do you think is going to be an important factor to his game? Q Reed is the future, to put it bluntly. Q Reed, obviously, he didn't play his freshman year because of a redshirt, but ever since then, he has been a consistent starter. Uh, Q Reed is so young, and he is six foot, but he use, he looks like he's small out there, but he, he plays it well. Q Reed is very fast, and he's very precision-based. You know, Q Reed is very tough, and I'm really excited to see what he does this year. He is the future of safeties and in that secondary where they sometimes need that depth when the passing game comes around, Kureen is the guy. Well, and I do like how you mentioned his speed because even just in clips from training camp that we've been seeing, you see that speed and you see it improving and you see stamina coming in with it as well. I mean, there wasn't a single time where they were running a safety drill where he wasn't going 100%. Kureen always goes 100% because he loves his team. Q Reed, there are pictures of him, and we've I've seen it personally. He's standing up on the sideline, hyping everyone up, pointing first down when even sometimes it wasn't. You know, Q Reed is de- he's just such a great spirit around the team. So when he goes on the field and just impresses even more, it makes it better. Yeah, and so I mean, last safety that I think is one that we really absolutely cannot forget to talk about is Jalen Phelps and what he brings to the team this year. Yeah, Jalen Phelps is a transfer from Eastern Michigan. To me, low-key, it kind of feels like a trade between J1 Hamilton and Jalen Phelps. I mean, each team got one or the other player. But, I mean, Jalen Phelps is a redshirt senior. This is his last season, and he wants to go out and play on the field. He has FBS experience. He played in 42 games uh, for Eastern Michigan during his career. And he is going to have to work for some time. You know, it's not going to be easy to take time away from Wayne Davis and Curie. But... Jalen Phillips is definitely someone to watch and is definitely a good depth player for the safety level. Absolutely. I think we're going to see a few plays from him in Moorhead State this coming Saturday. 
Um, would not be surprised if he got a lot of playing time out of Moorhead State alone. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if further in the season, depending on how the safeties are developing, if we, he saw some playing time against a bunch of CAA rivals. It wouldn't shock me if we saw him against Towson, if we saw him against Richmond, if we saw him against Elon. So, I mean, I think that there is a lot of potential for him to get some good reps in, especially, I mean, even when you have Q Reed and Wayne Davis playing at the same time. And I just know that we're not going to forget to talk about one of the biggest safeties out there, and that is MJ Hampton. MJ Hampton, he's always a pleasure to talk to, and he's amazing on the field. Yeah, he's a really physical guy on this team. And, I mean, I think the biggest thing with MJ Hampton is that he's passionate, and he gets into a game and commits 100% every single time. And I think that that's going to be something that, I mean, we saw it last year, but I think it's going to be something that we'll see again, and we'll see it in full force. MJ loves this team. Like, there's no nothing about it that's not true. You know, MJ loves this team, and he's going to go out there and bust his butt as a senior to make sure that this team ends up on top. He feels emotionally attached to his team. He just he does anything on the field that they need, and he, that's, that's the senior leadership Jamie needs out there. So you cannot forget about MJ Hampton. Absolutely. And, I mean, one thing you talk about with the senior leadership, he protects his team. He's not afraid to stick up for his teammates on the field during a game, and I think that is a huge aspect of leadership that sometimes you don't really always see or you don't see it as much but he's not afraid to stick up for his teammates and that is huge for the safeties definitely you cannot Wayne Davis and MJ Hampton are the top tier of Jamie football and they represent a lot of what Jamie football means leadership communication and devotion and that's everything they are And last but not least for defense, we cannot forget to talk about my personally, it is my all-time favorite position on defense, the cornerbacks. I love watching cornerbacks play. I think it is so cool to see all the speed, all of the cutting, everything they do. And they're willing to throw their bodies for the picturesque interceptions. Jamie has a lot of good cornerbacks. Uh, Jamie has a lot of players that can step up into a cornerback position if needed, and that's crucial. You know, you cannot play football without cornerbacks. They are one of the most important positions, if not the most important position on defense, because they block those high-end, high-yard receivers. So Jamie has a good couple good guys, and they'll definitely use them this year. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that we've seen in practice that's probably, in my opinion, my favorite part to watch is I love watching the cornerbacks run their drills, and they go and they block each other when they're doing interception drills and I think that's great because not only are they getting practice getting the ball and taking an interception but they're getting practice blocking that those high passes all in one drill and it's really cool to see the difference in how each player kind of attacks it but also how another player will block an interception. I'm excited to see Wesley McCormick back this year he got injured against North Dakota so he did not play against Sam Houston and Wesley loves his team he's a redshirt senior and he's so excited to be back now he might look small but he does not play small he jumps He plays big, and that is so critical for JMU. Well, you talk about his jump. This kid flies. He he jumps, and he has such power in his jump when he's active and he's going, and it's really impressive to see. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, looking at Wesley McCormick with Greg Ross, a UNC transfer from a year ago, that's a lot of experience right there. You have Wesley McCormick, who's been consistently playing in games since he was a sophomore. And then you have Greg Ross, who transferred from UNC and played a couple games, started a couple games, had a little bit of injury problems. But still, Greg Ross goes out there and he will play 100% every single time. And with those two main cornerbacks this year, at least to begin the year with on the roster, that's tough. 
Absolutely. And one one player that we can't mention is Jordan, um, we can't forget to mention at least, is Jordan Swan and what he brings to this team. Yeah. So Jordan Swan is another CAA transfer onto this defense, and he's from Maine and he has playoff experience. And he's a redshirt junior, so he has two more years of eligibility. And Jordan Swan was on the Maine team that went in 2018 and defeated Weber State and was went to the FCS semifinals. So he has experience, he has depth, he's played in a lot of games for Maine, and He's coming here with the same intentions as others. They want to win a ring. I think everybody on this team wants to win a ring, and there's no denying that they are passionate about getting to that goal. You know, this team is passionate, and looking at this team as a whole, you know, offense and defense, who stands out the most to you on each? Well, I mean, I think with offense, you can't ignore Cole and what he wants to bring to this team. He is ready. He knows that he's learned from the people before him, and he is ready to improve upon what he did last season. He's understood that he's made the mistakes, and he's made everything in his power available to him so that he can make the adjustments needed to take this team far, and I think that that's going to be a huge, huge influence on this offense. On the defense, you can't just not look at Mike Green and James Carpenter. Mike Green is just so passionate. He's been here for so long, and his hometown in Richmond, he gets to go to this year. And he is thrilled beyond thrilled about that. I mean, and James Carpenter is the future. He is a future captain of this team, and he is going to be tough to play. And the whole defensive line, the depth of this defensive line just can't be ignored. It can't be overlooked. Absolutely. And you mentioned you mentioned Green coming back to Richmond. I mean, you found out that Cole went lived in Utah for a while. So, I mean, when they head over to Weber State, you got all of a sudden Cole's got an extra stake at the claim because he's going to be in a state that he lived in. That's definitely something I'm going to be writing about and exploring come towards Weber State. Yeah, Cole and I did talk about how he is from Salt Lake City. Uh, he grew up there for a couple years. He has family there. And whenever family's in the picture, the game's always more intense. Absolutely. So thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Duke Chat as we get ready to kick off this year's football season. Our first game for JMU is against Moorhead State, September 4th, 6 p.m. kickoff. And Savannah will be writing the very first game recap of the season. You guys can catch that online after the game. But she'll also be getting ready to write four downs, both in print and online, on September 2nd. Don't forget to also pick up a copy of this year's supplement edition, also available on September 2nd, online and in print. But until next time, thanks for tuning in, and this has been Duke Chat. Duke Chat.